welcome to Calvary Baptist Edmonton podcast. My name is Matt and I will be your host. Today's episode is connected to the Summer Hub series called Learning from the Indigenous Peoples of Canada and we will be exploring the topic of powwows and powwow dancing. In the Summer Hub series, our hope is to take the first step as a church who desires to decolonize or deconstruct the white-centeredness of our faith through learning from the Indigenous people around us, to sit humbly, apologetically, and willing to learn. We recognize that during this time, we will only scratch the surface of each of these areas of focus. Our hope is that this educational series and podcast will be a starting place through which the Holy Spirit will inspire us then to do the hard work and uncomfortable work of dismantling the evil of racism within ourselves and in our communities. And that's our hope for the series. I was able to interview a lady named Sissy. Sissy is an Indigenous woman who loves her cultural roots. She facilitates a range of sessions which uh, educates individuals about her Indigenous culture. She offers groups and individuals specialty cultural sessions like the blanket exercise and traditional games. We actually met Sissy a few years ago as a church because she led us through the blanket exercise. Sissy also offers leadership sessions which incorporates her cultural experiences with contemporary practices to help you become a great leader. Let's move into our podcast of introducing powwows and powwow dancing with Sissy. Well, hello, Sissy, and thank you for joining uh, the podcast uh, with me and sharing your knowledge and experience with all of our listeners. Well, I'm a, no problem. I'm uh, I'm excited to spend some time with you um, and discussing uh, powwow dancing and to hear about some of your personal uh, stories. Um, and maybe you can explain a little bit about what you do and how you help to educate others about Indigenous culture and community right now. Yeah, so I'm actually a cultural facilitator. I am contracted through some of the major school boards in Edmonton to teach powwow to students. I run various like crafting, education, awareness, powwow, and other um, also Edmonton tourism sessions uh, through my business, waksesabaexperiences.ca. And uh, that you can kind of spell that out for people, but that's how I spend most of my time. Cool. That's great. And we'll for sure um, put the information of your website into the notes of our podcast and also in our hub post uh, for Calvary to uh, find. Well, I know so we have also spent some time before this podcast uh, just discussing um, some when it comes to um, me or an individual trying to gain some knowledge uh, from an Indigenous person. It's customary, you mentioned, about presenting them with tobacco. And so I was wondering if you could kind of explain to myself and also to our listeners uh, the meaning behind this custom. So the reason that it is tobacco is because tobacco is one of the four sacred medicines. So there's tobacco, there's uh, cedar, sweetgrass, and sage. So those are the four, and then they kind of change per area. And everything that we do revolves in sort of a circle format and it's all tied together so that when we offer tobacco to somebody, it comes from Mother Earth. Mm. And so that is a medicine. That is a pure 
as a pure medicine with good intentions. It's taken from the earth and you give it to somebody because it's kind of like asking somebody for a favor, but you're offering them something. So it's like an honoring and respecting of somebody's knowledge and where they're coming from. So they take it, pray with it because what you're asking, so sharing this knowledge right now, I would pray that your your church members and people taking it a good way. And after I'm done, I'll return it back to the earth. So it goes in a circle. It's about respect and it's about connectedness and honoring knowledge. That's awesome. Thanks for, for sharing that. And that for sure in, uh, informs me a little bit more about um, the importance of it and also our listeners about the importance of it. And, and for us, for, and for our listeners to, to know that when I meet with Sissy later on in a few days, um, I will bring her some tobacco uh, to respect that custom. Um, so let's kind of move into our discussion about powwow dancing. And so when I think of powwow dancing, Sissy, um, my knowledge is pretty limited. Um, I usually would see, if anything, I reckon the only exposure I have to it is, is seeing it on television. And it's usually a part of some sort of Canada celebration that is being broadcasted. Um, it is beautiful to watch and to listen and to and hear all the different sounds and the singing. But for some of us, that's all that we know um, of powwow dancing. And so can you share a little bit about what is pow, what is a powwow and why dancing is a part of a powwow? So powwow is essentially, it's almost like a huge cultural celebration, like a party, but minus um, sort of like libations and things like that. It is a cultural celebration and also a community's exhibition. So it's a chance for the community to show their, their dancing, their crafting, their community members, their chief and council. And so powwow, it focuses around dancing which all, they all have a story, a story of origin, a meeting behind them. And then every dancer, when we dance, we're praying. So it's a form of bringing community together, showcasing a community, dancing in prayer. And it did originate as a ceremony and it sort of moved into, it can move in more of a performative, a performative thing as well as a competition for money, but that's not what it always used to be. And it's a way for people to connect, pray and celebrate culture. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love, um, I think for you, for uh, things that really connected with me was just when you explained the, the diversity in the community that you wanted to show. And you talked about the elders, the dancers, and the different parts of the community. And that's really cool to to see that because um, as someone who would watch it off the television, I actually miss that. All I see are the dancers. And to now recognize that when I see it on the television or if I'm able to go to an actual powwow, um, this will give me so much more meaning. And uh, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, so tell me a little bit about your experience with powwows and powwow dancing and what uh, you love about it and what got you involved in, in powwow dancing. Um, I've been dancing, I believe this is my seventh year. Um, I've kind of lost track a little bit and seven is a sacred number for us. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, this will be my seventh year and I got started, like I was somebody who I saw it in person. I had a job where I was an indigenous relations summer student and I went around, I worked for a corporation. We sponsored some powwow categories, prize money. So I got to go and those were some of my first powwows and it just kind of spoke to me. So the drum beat, we believe is the heartbeat of mother earth. And that just hit me really hard because I was raised without my culture 
And um, when I heard that drum for the first time, I cried and, and it was kind of my spirit telling me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and this feels good to me. And um, I was actually working a youth program with a bunch of young women, young Indigenous women. And they all said, I used to be a dancer, I used to be a dancer. And it's really normal for our children to do this up until about 10 or 11. And then it's not cool anymore and they lose interest and it's hard and video games become cool and all that stuff. And so I thought, well, you used to dance. Why, why not try again? They're about 16, 17 years old. Why not try to get them into it again? So I told them I'll go to the, cause there's free community practices that happen during the school year. And I said, why don't we go? I'll come with you. You don't have to be scared. We'll do it together. Hmm. And any idea, if you had to take a guess, how long do you think it took them to start coming to those practices where I was going alone before they showed up? Oh, um, Maybe uh, what, a couple a couple of months? Year. Year, wow. It took a year for these girls. It took because a lot of our community they watch you until they until they know you're serious. And so I did it for other people. And that's uh, one of the main reasons we dance. We dance for people who cannot dance, they've lost mobility or they've lost their lives or um, like the jingle dress specifically, the style that I do um, is for healing from Mother Earth. So there's just, there's so much to it. I was trying to encourage and inspire youth and then I ended up getting encouraged and inspired myself. So I just, I stuck with it. And there's lots of things, there's lots of things I love about it, but I love that it's a prayer. I love that it's a thinking of others. I love that we do it in a circle. Um, and then it's beautiful. There's so much we get to display and show pride of for our culture. Powwows were outlawed until, 19, until the 1970s. They weren't allowed. There's a lot of things that happen through history. And so this is one of our ways as indigenous people to reclaim our culture and show that we're proud we haven't gone anywhere and that we're visible. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and encouraging to hear uh, how you got into uh, powwow dancing. Um, can you explain a little bit more of the different styles of uh, powwow dancing? Yeah, so there are four men's styles and there's three women's styles and there's a bit of subcategories in both where there's contemporary and then traditional where one will be more old school and more to the roots and the other will be more flashy and faster and stuff like that. But for the men's styles, um, the oldest, it goes either chicken or traditional. So the chicken, the chicken dance, um, and it's not the like, it's got the same name, but it's different. It's very different. Totally. It was originated to honor the prairie chicken. Um, it comes from Blackfoot territory in like Southern Can Canada and like the Northern States that I know of. And it comes from wanting to honor that prairie chicken who sustained our people for a long time. And then there's traditional men's dancing. Um, which kind of mimics like a grand entry from when our hunting parties or our war parties of men would return, would return to community and they would like show us like, here's how we ducked under arrows and here's how we stomped on the grass to search for enemies and stuff like that. Um, and then there's grass dancing, which typically is younger men um, who would go out ahead of the chiefs, ahead of the elders, ahead of the women and children, and they would stomp down grass um, to, make, to make the ground flat for camp. And then there was, uh, and then there's fancy. Fancy, fancy feather, fancy bustle, 
Um, and that's the one that a lot of people see and it's their favorite. It's, it's the one with the big bustle on the back and feathers on the shoulders and bustles on the, around the hips. And it's very fast. It's uh, the whole purpose of it was just how fast and how colorful can we be? Um, and then the women's styles, there's three, there's, there's traditional, which came from honoring those war parties and um, the hunting parties that would come back and showing support at the edge of the circle and coming into the circle. And then there's jingle dress dance, uh, which is how I got started. I can actually dance all three, but jingle's my main one. And that one started out in um, our country, started in the East, in Anishinaabe territory. And it comes from a dream that somebody had where they made a dress to sound like the rain and the rain came and cleansed and saved somebody's life so that's and then there's a uh, fancy so there's fancy it's called either fancy or fancy shawl women's and that is to mimic uh the beautiful colorful graceful gentle butterfly hmm. that's crazy i would that's so that's so cool and interesting because i would have never guessed there was that many different types of dance for male and female and that's uh, that's so cool. There is there are more depending on which territory you're kind of moving to. Okay. Yeah. Those are the main ones here. And I did forget about hoop. So hoop dance is actually unisex, which is really cool. So any um, you know multiple genders of people, all sorts of things. Uh, that's the one I was told it originated from the West Coast. Um, and that's you might have seen that before, where there's multiple hoops and making shapes out of them. Yeah honoring a lot of uh, animal shapes, honoring the animal spirits and seeing how many can you carry, how many it's, it's also all the dances are, are really endurance tests as well. Can you share a little bit about the significance and maybe some terminology um, of uh, powwow uh, clothing that is, that is worn? Yeah. So it is actually called regalia. And so if that's a hard word to remember, just say outfit. So a lot of people get confused and they call it a costume. And that kind of happens, I believe, because at Halloween time, some people like to dress up like us and that's a costume. It's a disrespectful costume, but what mm -hmm. we're wearing when we dance powwow is called regalia or an outfit. And there are many different pieces to it. Um, something that the men wear on their heads and it's got the porcupine hairs and then there's feathers yeah. at the top. Um, that's called a roach um those big feathers and sometimes there's flagging tape hanging from them those are called bustles and sometimes they can be small so our chicken dancers will have chicken feathers and that's a small one and then our traditional dancers will typically have eagle feathers kind of medium or big and then it gets to our fancy dancers um there's lots and lots of different pieces um the things that we are beadwork you just call it beadwork and there's things that us um will attach to our braids and those are called hair ties um some of us wear animal furs on our braids uh i wear otter otter fur that's what a lot of people wear some people will do mink and then there's belts and capes that hold down shawls and jingle dresses and the little pieces on the jingle dresses are called cones or jingles but they're most often called cones and then we have our moccasins and we also have cookum scarves that you will see um, a lot of our dancers having on their outfits or holding in their hands. Those are those flowered kind of sort of Ukrainian looking mm -hmm. uh, scarves that yeah. are cookums, which means grandmother and Cree, will wear on their head when like picking medicine or um, even just in their daily lives or cooking food or things like that. So that's the flower pattern is to honor our 
our Cookums and our female matriarchs from our families. Cool. Hey, can you explain a little, or yeah, explain a little bit about why did you choose um, otter fur? Well, it actually came with the outfit that I got, okay. but okay. it's common to a lot of dancers, especially jingle and fancy and traditional. Yeah, so all the women's styles. I don't know. I don't believe men wear them, but um, they. I was told a story that there was giant beings. Um, there was these giant beings that used to protect us and they had to devolve down into otters, like just small creatures because they're kept their uh, human population kept growing and land space was running out and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So they've evolved down into otters so that whenever we wear a fur or a feather of an animal, we're honoring the animal's spirit. So they live, they live forever. So they didn't die in vain. It's part of using every part of the animal, not letting it go to waste, not being disrespectful. Um, so when we dance with those things, that's the spirit is with us. Mm. So honors for protection. Thanks for explaining that. Can you share a little bit to myself and our listeners about uh, a favorite powwow um, memory you have? Yeah, I love telling this story. I was up in Drift Pile. Was it last summer or the summer before? It was either 2019 or 2018. I was up and that's in uh, Treaty 8. It's probably about three, a little over three hours from north of Edmonton. There was a powwow MC uses a microphone and, and a sound system. And, and, and sometimes it's almost like a school where you hear like the principal or the receptionist come on the, the speaker and said all jingle dress dancers to the powwow arbor. So that's, that's, that's the area we dance in. It's called the arena or the arbor. All okay. jingle dress dancers to the to the arbor. And me, I'm looking at the other dancers and they're looking at me and we're thinking, <laughs> are we in trouble? What did we do? We're getting called to the principal's office. What's going on? <laughs> we get there. And they say, please make a circle on the outside of the arbor because everything, like I said, is connected, goes in a circle yeah. to honor lots of different um, cycles of life. And so we're in a circle and then this, this woman and her family are in the middle. And the person on the speaker, the, the announcer, says that um, the lady in the middle is from the community and she is battling really progressive late stage cancer and mm-hmm. she is not doing well. So her and her family have asked that the jingle dress dancers um, dance our sidestep. So each style of dance has at least two specialty songs. Dance our sidestep around her, which I have been told is the most healing um, out of all of our dances that we can do as jingle dress dancers, that we do that around her. And we were like shoulder to shoulder. I can't even tell you how many of us Mm. there were. There was shoulder to shoulder and we were all moving in unison and just the sound of all those cones moving at the same time it sounded Mm. like lots of rain we wanted to bring healing to that woman and that's that's how much um our people can believe in powwow dancing and Mm. the prayers and intention behind what we're doing is that this woman was very sick Mm. and they believed that we could help her and honestly i don't um know what happened to her but i'll just i'll Mm. never forget that that was just one of the most beautiful things i've ever been a part of wow that is powerful um i'm actually kind of starting to uh tear up over here thanks for sharing that that's a really cool picture of um of your favorite memory thanks so much um before we kind of wrap up i wanted to ask you what you what you would suggest would be some first good steps for an individual maybe at calvary baptist church who'd want to learn more about powwow dancing 
I would say, so what I always tell people is you can look things online. You can look up things online. There are some stories you can read and stuff, but I always recommend that people, everything that we're supposed to learn, we're actually supposed to learn in person. So what we're doing mm-hmm. right now is a little, is a little yeah. against the grain, but we're yeah. in COVID. And I just recommend that people try to build those relationships. And sometimes it will take quite a long time. Like I told you, it took a year for those girls to show up mm-hmm. at power practice, but it takes time and patience. And um, so I suggest... There's a couple of Facebook groups that'll post where powwows are in um, Edmonton and area. I believe one is called Alberta and Saskatchewan powwows and round dances. And right now, one of the biggest ones where I'm sure people could learn a lot is social distance powwow. Social mm. distance powwow is a lot okay. going on. So right now is a good time. You can kind of do what we're doing now, jumping on um, virtually and seeing yep. what people are doing and hearing some stories and putting in the time. Um, and then again, making relationships with people, getting invitations. And um, I actually did write this piece on um, basics of attending a powwow. And I can actually send that to you if you want yeah, to for you sure. share it with your, your community members. But there are some that happen in the city. And I'll let you know that the first when it's not COVID, um, the first weekend of May every single year, Ben Caffro powwow has the biggest one in the city um there's that one and then there's the clonic days or capital mm-hmm. x one or whatever yeah. that yeah. happens as well so those are both accessible by transit um they're in the city and it's a really good place to go and and uh begin the process of starting to attend powwows. that's great thanks for for sharing that information and we'll for sure um find that uh those links and be able to to put it towards our post and uh, I love, again, how you talk about relationship. And uh, we were talking about this earlier, um, but for Calvary listeners, uh, Sissy actually was at our church, uh, I think a year or so ago, and she uh, walked us through a blanket exercise. And so it's actually really interesting as we have connected again, uh, unintentionally, um, just a connection that I received through uh, Becky Sadowski. And... Uh, there's Sissy again that she is going to, and she's bringing us uh, more information and uh, that relationship with Calvary and you have been growing. And so it's really encouraging to see that. And um, I really hope it keeps growing that way. So it's really important. I love how you mentioned about relationship because it is also really important to us at Calvary that we would learn um, more in, in relationship too. So uh, thanks for, for bringing that up and great uh, tips for us to move into and learning about uh, powwow dancing. Well, I want to uh, thank you, Sissy, so much for sharing with me and our listeners uh, your stories and educating us about powwows. Thanks, Sissy. You're welcome. Well, that wraps up our podcast. I am so thankful for Sissy being willing to share and teach about her culture and her stories. I would like to encourage you to take the time to explore the resources that she's offered with us and the links to them in the show notes and on the hub. Uh, Don't let learning stop here. Continue this process as you think, journal, and chat with your friends and your family this week. We'll chat soon. Talk to you later.